The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And you're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. And the New York Giants today fell to a record of 2-3 and three after losing to the Minnesota Vikings 28-10, a loss that was filled with a number of errors, a couple minute bright spots, and both of which we're going to be addressing today in our quick take show, as we always do in reaction to the game on Sundays. So swinging right on into this thing, we only have two major bright spots and positives that came out of it. And the first one being Darius Slayton. Chris, he had a pretty good game and he also scored a touchdown against arguably a top five corner in the league. Yeah, he did. You know, Slayton has been pretty good. I would, I would almost say surprisingly good since coming back from injury. He has definitely been a bright spot for the Giants on offense, and he looks like he could be eventually, and maybe even is now, a good third option in the passing game. He's really performing up to what we expected him to be, which is that great deep threat, but there were some situations where he was able to shake a corner or a defender who was on him, and he, I think he had like a... Um, it was kind of like a corner route that he ran, and he ended up getting a first down on it. So seeing that speed from him and him being used as a good third option, you don't really expect him to have those crazy big games and to be that go-to game-breaking number one, but he's very talented. He could develop and improve into being that number two guy next to Sterling Shepard. It's just promising to see a later draft round draft pick which in most situations, a receiver like that is expected to be mostly a special teams uh, punt gunner type impact player. And he's been able to go out there, make some big plays. And the most notable one was the touchdown where he stuck his pit way past Xavier Rhodes and got that uh, got that, that pretty good catch that he had for that touchdown. I would say that's actually a, a very good thing considering the offense he came out of in college. You know, Auburn's offense doesn't have a whole lot in common with what is being run in the NFL. In college, he his route tree was a twig. He either ran straight down the field or ran two or three steps, stopped, turned around for the quick hit and tried to pick up yards after the catch. Getting such a good release off of a player like Xavier Rhodes does really bode well for him. Even if he never does develop into that scary X receiver that offenses always want, having a player with his explosiveness and 
ability to get open, which is what he is showing, is a good thing for any offense. When looking at this team, you have to consider the the young bright spots and the development of it, and it's just good to see that they do have that option of a young developmental player. Now, down the line, there's probably expectations in the future in the draft. They're probably going to take an opportunity to draft someone early, maybe in upcoming free agency or at the trade deadline they choose to make a move for someone and again, maybe he's not that number one guy, but still, he can be very, very good. He can be a an option that can make big plays and maybe not take over a game, but still make those plays and be a consistent, available guy to throw the ball to. So the other positive that we really noticed from this game was an improved and a, a strong day from the defensive front in getting pressure on passing downs. One of the things we said, and we'll get back to this later, is that the Giants needed to get pressure on Kirk Cousins and force him into making mistakes, force him to throw interceptions, throw off-target balls, and they at least did get pressure. This was actually the lowest pressure rate Kirk Cousins saw this year, so far this season. So yeah, they came away with three sacks, they had three more quarterback hits, uh, nine tackles for a loss. Considering they lost 28-10, that's a pretty good performance from a young defensive front. And Marcus Golden being the guy that has come out of nowhere in, in having good production. He has four sacks on the year, getting another one here. It's good to see that even though this team doesn't have a game-breaking pass rusher, uh, a guy that requires maybe two guys to block him like a, a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller, they can still create and generate pressure and a number of different players here and there can rack up those sacks or those tackles for losses. Maybe Marcus Golden isn't the most talented elite pass rusher in the league, but it's good to see that he's doing what he's capable of, which is getting after the quarterback, being athletic, making those plays. And very similar to what I said about Darius Slayton, as this defense continues to build out and, and gain more young pieces. Maybe he's not that number one go-to guy, but he can be used as a threat that can go out there and make plays. I'll admit, I was skeptical of him when he was signed just because he has never been a great athlete. In fact, he was pretty much a marginal athlete coming out of Missouri, at least for that position. I was a little skeptical of how well he would be able to come back from that torn ACL and had to at least consider the possibility that what we saw last year is just who he is now. So it's really great to see that he is getting back to that 2016 form and able to at least consistently apply pressure and get home when he gets those opportunities. Now, there were a lot of negatives that we need to get to. If you watch the game, you can definitely agree with us. There were a lot of things that need to be fixed. That obviously comes with a little asterisk next to it because they played a defense and, well, they played an average offense and a defense that was a top five defense in the league. So while they might not have played a very good game overall, um, it was against a very good football team. So we're going to take a quick look at that and break that stuff down after a very quick commercial break. So as I said before the commercial break, this game has to be understood that who they were playing and there's a very good reason why they did not play up to their fullest potential because they were going up against a veteran squad with a very very good defense you'd hope in the next season and maybe down towards the end of the season they're able to be much more competitive against these very good teams but as we said actually in the Thursday show 
they're not going to be able to beat these good teams that are a little bit more consistent throughout in personnel. They're going to go out and, and dominate those those bad teams on their schedule, you know, like the Jets and and the Redskins when they play them again. But it's going to be very very difficult for them to beat the Vikings, and especially when they come out and they don't do any of the things that they need to do to win. And I guess you could argue they they didn't really listen to any of the things that we pointed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we told the Giants how to win this game for a lot of the first half. The game was there. You know, the, the score was a lot closer than I think people were expecting in the first half, especially considering how the time of possession went. And we told the Giants how to win. I guess Pat Shermer just doesn't listen to the podcast, which is on him. You know, we, we told them to contain Dalvin Cook. That didn't happen. He ran wild and had a great day as a receiver, too. And then we told them not to let the Vikings passing game get healthy. And Kirk Cousins had a get healthy game. Obviously, they're they're probably not listening to the points that we have because <laughs> we're not their coaches. But uh, the reality of the situation, though, is if you looked at what we said on Thursday, they managed to do the complete opposite of every single thing that we said that they needed to do to win the game. And. I think if you just look at it is that this offense was not performing well. They, uh, the Vikings offense only had 169 passing yards per game. They were running the ball well. And the Giants just allowed them to get themselves back into that rhythm. I wouldn't be surprised if going forward if they're a little bit more comfortable because they needed this game against a marginal secondary with a lot of young players to feel some things out. And they could go out there and maybe be a little bit more free and risky in their play calling there were a lot of open opportunities for their receivers and most specifically Adam Thielen who had seven receptions for 130 yards. It just seems that every single week a team's number one receiver is able to go out there and have a dominant game because they're either getting those chances against DeAndre Baker or those they're getting those chances against Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, and that's a problem for the Giants. They need to have the ability to if not lock down a number one receiver, they need to at least be able to slow them down and contain them and make offenses win with their second and third or third and fourth options. You can't let a guy as good as Adam Thielen beat you. He certainly had a very, very good game, and he was a contributing factor to the 306 yards thrown by Kirk Cousins in this game who had struggled in the first four weeks of the season. Now, another thing that we acknowledged as a negative here is that the Giants need to sign a veteran running back. And as soon as Wayne Gallman went out with a concussion after only running the ball two times for 14 yards, the run game was completely non-existent. And also, John Hilleman was tackled in the end zone for a safety after an incredible defensive play by Jabril Peppers. So just no effort to get that run game going because they didn't have any help there. They didn't have any explosive plays. They didn't have a good running back to really carry the load because eventually they realized Hilleman was not doing a single thing that they had to even go to their fullback, Elijah Penny, and he ended up rushing for for three carries and 15 yards. So something needs to be done because if, if Wayne Gallman isn't healthy and if Saquon Barkley is not going to be back for a few more weeks and they decide to be cautious with him they need to bring somebody in that's going to do better than nine carries for 20 yards and a 2.2 yard average 
Yeah, and that seems to be a common theme with how defenses have decided to play the Giants, and that is just take away the running game and see what Daniel Jones and the Giants receivers can do through the air. It didn't work the last two weeks, but it did seem to work this week, partly because the Vikings have a really good secondary. This loss really could have been worse than it was. Fortunately, some balls bounced the Giants' way, and potential interceptions fell harmlessly to the ground, and the Vikings had some miscues on defense and gave the Giants quite a few second chances. They couldn't really get a whole lot going on offense, just any any which way. Daniel Jones only threw for 182 yards. The Giants only had 211 total yards of offense. That That is just a problem, and... Yes, they're going against a championship-caliber defense. But if the Giants eventually want to be competitive, they have to be able to produce against that caliber of defense. Yeah, they're going to need to be able to play well against those teams. They're going to need to have a complete game because as soon as the run game was eliminated, it was very obvious that they were trying to throw the ball as often as possible. They threw the ball 38 times in this game and only completed 21 times. You can only do so much when a defense is expecting pass with a as good of a secondary as they had. So there are some options out there that they can potentially go out there and sign. Uh, I know Jay Ajayi is currently a free agent, and there's also some other players. I think LeGarrette Blunt is also a free agent. Just somebody who can come in there and maybe take a little bit of the carries until Saquon Barkley comes back and he's back in full go because right now a, a – undrafted free agent running back is not going to get the job done and it's very apparent that he's not capable of getting this job done another thing that we uh we noticed from this game though chris was the lack of linebacker play and that might also be that they need to sign a a veteran linebacker as well because they're in the hole deep at the linebacker position yeah you know right now none of their linebackers were either on the opening day roster or with them in camp. I mean, Josiah Tofea was with the Giants in camp, and Nate Stupar was as well, but he was cut in the final cutdowns. Dave Mayo was signed just before the start of the season. They are they have gone down the bottom of the depth chart and are picking up whatever they can right now. You know, we've mentioned Brandon Marshall a few times. Maybe his contract demands are more than the Giants can deal with right now. The good news is that eventually they will be getting Alec Ogletree and Tay Davis back. We'll probably dive into this more later, maybe in our deeper review show, but I want to at least bring up the possibility of maybe taking a look at Lorenzo Carter when he is back healthy. Playing him as an off-ball linebacker, kind of the same way the Vikings use Anthony Barr. Something does need to be done, and maybe looking into Brandon Marshall is the case to resolving the situation. Hopefully Ogletree and Tay Davis are both back soon because the performance we saw at the linebacker position today was pretty deterrent of you know any good football. They were not good. They did not play well, uh, allowing over – 100 yards rushing obviously that doesn't go completely on the linebacking duo out there but just not a good performance from Mayo and Toafea another thing that we we notice and this has been a reoccurring issue is that the secondary continues to be a glaring liability 
specifically, which we pointed out, was Adam Thielen having another career day and Kirk Cousins getting into a rhythm enough that he was able to throw for over 300 yards. It's really just pick your poison here. Who ends up being the the, the liability, if it's DeAndre Baker or if it's Janoris Jenkins, just a continual lack of consistency from the secondary. Yeah, and at least DeAndre Baker has an excuse here. He, he is a rookie. He's playing a... He's playing a position with a really steep learning curve. So certain allowances have to be made. But also at the end of the day, you have to be able to hold up. The cornerback is considered a cornerstone position for a reason. It is really, really important. They're the guys who can really affect whether or not a passing attack is effective. The pass rush needs these guys to give them time to get to the quarterback, and they're the ones who can directly affect whether or not a ball is caught. He did have a nice play to prevent a touchdown. Like you said, they need to be more consistent. They can't have more than one nice play here and there. Hopefully DeAndre Baker does start to figure some things out. He has improved. We have seen some improvement, but being a rookie corner out there, he still has been a liability, and teams have not been afraid to throw in his direction so our final two negatives here are offensive minded and the first one is just that the Giants need to be better at picking up blitzes and dealing with stunts there weren't that many stunts that caused any quarterback pressures and sacks that I can think of but there are just so many instances if things are a little bit too complicated for this offensive line to pick up it results in a sack or some type of a quarterback pressure on Daniel Jones those types of things need to be picked up. That's really just all communication. That's all talking things out and acknowledging who's got who. If they're not cleanly picking people up and people are, are sliding in and out of the gaps, that's just an overall mental mental lapse and also a lack of capability of talent from this offensive line. Yeah, I would say especially at the offensive tackle position, considering how much Nate Solder is getting – is getting paid to be the Giants' left tackle. So far in three games, Daniel Jones has been sacked nine times, and that's with a couple being negated by defensive penalties and a few more instances where he Jones probably should have been sacked, but he was either able to muscle his way through an arm tackle or a defender just straight up missed him. And then he was hit another 24 times. And that's just in three games. The Giants need better pass protection. We've been saying this for a long time, but it's one thing when a guy like Eli Manning is getting hit. He's been through the fire, really. It's another thing when you've got a rookie that you're counting on to be your starting quarterback for a while, and he's getting beat up like that. The pass protection he has gotten just has not been good enough. There was one specific instance where a holding call was called on Nate Solder, And despite the holding call, his guy got through and a very scary play happened where I forget who was the guy that he was he was supposed to be responsible for dove at the knees of Daniel Jones. And there should have been a roughing the passer if it wasn't for the holding penalty. That was a very scary play. You need to do what you can to protect this quarterback. I understand you want to put him out there and to learn and develop. But that that type of performance from a a play on by Nate Solder's part is just egregious that he can't protect the rookie that's out there you need to be stepping up and in playing even better with the rookie behind you because if something happens to him and he's hurt it's completely taking away from his progression and his improvements finally last thing that we have 
was that their inability to finish things in the red zone and also just in chances to score. There were a bunch of times where they crossed the 50-yard line and they looked like they were putting together a nice drive and it either resulted in a punt or there were penalties in goal-to-go situations that pushed them so far back that they kicked the field goal or just straight up didn't score any points at all. I think that has a lot to do with just developing consistency in this young team. And also there were some, I think, kind of questionable play calls coming from Pat Shermer and hasn't been a problem so far, really. But we're also dealing with a very small sample size of the Giants with Daniel Jones in Pat Shermer's offense. So hopefully this is a problem that they can get worked out. They can figure out what plays work best for what personnel in which situ- in which situations. But they also need to drill out a lot of those just mental mistakes, you know, like the penalties that drove them back when they were right at the they got a yeah, like those penalties that drove them back when they were gifted a second chance by, you know, roughing the snapper and then wound up having to re-kick a field goal anyway, but from further away. All right, that's going to be it from us from our quick take show. We're going to take a look at the tape and we're going to be coming right back to you with our analysis and breakdown of the game going a little bit deeper. Be sure to be looking out for that upcoming episode. Um, be sure to follow also Big Blue View on social media at Big Blue View on Twitter and at Big underscore Blue underscore View on Instagram. You can also follow Chris and I on Twitter. I'm at Joe DeLeon, D E L E O N E. And you can also follow Chris at Raptor MKII. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Bye.